right, if you have your Bible, turn to the book of Mark, the fourth chapter. If you don't, didn't bring a Bible, we have Bibles in front of you, uh, there in the racks in front of you. Also, uh, if you have your phone or an iPad or anything, we're happy with that too. So turn to the fourth chapter of Mark. We're going to start right there in verse 1. And we read that in the context here, again, he began to teach beside the sea and a very large crowd gathered about him so that he got into the boat and sat in it on the sea. And the whole crowd was beside the sea and the land. And so this would be, of course, very apropos because when a rabbi would teach, he would sit down. And so he's sitting down in the boat and he was teaching them many things in parables. And in his teaching, he said to them, uh, uh, listen, are you listening? Are you listening? He says, listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some, some of the seed fell along the path and the birds came and they devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil and immediately it sprang up and since, and since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among the thorns and the thorns grew up and choked it and it yielded no grain. And other seed fell into the good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding 30-fold and 60-fold and even 100-fold. And he said to them, he who has ears, let him hear. So he is telling them this story. And then, as Brad shared with us, he explains why he is trying to tell these stories. They are earthly stories with a heavenly meaning. I hope that you get that heavenly meaning today. But he also gives the interpretation after he explains what a parable is. In verse 13, he says to them, Do you not understand the parable? How then will you understand all the parables? And then he says in verse 14, the sower sows the word. So who is the sower? It is Jesus. It's obviously, there's no doubt that it's Jesus. What is the seed? This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word. The, the, we find confirmation of this in Luke chapter 8, verse 11, when he says the seed is the word of God. So what about all these soils he mentions and what happens to them? Verse 15, and these are the ones that fell along the path where the word is sown. When they hear Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. So there's a seed along a path and that, that represents someone with a hard heart. In other words, the evil one comes and he snatches away what was sown immediately. These are the people that clearly say no to Jesus. And then in verse 16, and these are the ones sown on rocky ground, the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy, and they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. 
Then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. This is a person with a shallow heart, the seed on the rocky ground. He says it's possible to make this initial response of yes to Jesus, but then it doesn't last. It's nothing but emotion. The cost of being Christian has not been counted at all. And this person, in a time of trouble or persecution, it, that profession of faith has been sort of superficial. This is the person who says yes and no. Yes, by having one foot in, and no, by not really being all in. And so it's sort of an uncertainty. Then in verse 18, Jesus says these words. The others are those sown among the thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. These are the seeds that fall to those who have a busy life, a busy heart. Jesus refers to this soil as people who hear the word, but the worries of life. This person is saying, yes, but... They're saying, yes, but I, I, I have all these other things going on in my life. And then in verse 20, but those who were sown, those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit 30-fold, even 60-fold and 100-fold. Good soil. People who are saying yes to God. And we've been talking about this all year about saying yes to God, when we talked about being generous, when we talked about being filled with the Holy Spirit, saying yes to God, and this is the good soil. We see good soil in John chapter 15, verse eight, when Jesus says these words, this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciple. And so what is it in your life that's very important to prove or to show that you are a disciple. And it is fruit, showing fruit, that you may bear much fruit. It's a very serious subject. It's a very important topic for us to know what God's will is and how we should be living our life. Let me show you the importance and the seriousness of it. If you look at Luke, Chapter 13, verse 7, Jesus said this, I've been coming to look for fruit on this fig tree, and I haven't found any. Cut it down. Why should use up the soil? He uses this tree as a metaphor and says, if it's not producing any fruit, I've been walking by, it's not producing any fruit. Cut that thing down. It's just a waste of soil. Those are serious words for Jesus because he says the seed is broadcast. That's how we, where we get the word is broadcast. It's sown, it's broadcast. It's not scientific the way you who farm so well and I look and it's just so perfect lines, straight lines, everything looks so perfect. It's not like that. It would be having a basket and taking seed 
and broadcasting it. And it falls everywhere. Somewhere it's rocky soil, some it's not such a great place. But then there's some really good soil where the fruit can really take place. And it's really important in this story that Jesus is trying to teach us. Jesus is trying to, every time Jesus tells a parable in the Bible, every time, he is trying to paint a picture of the kingdom of God for us. And so when he tells us this story, he's trying to tell us the importance of us bearing fruit. So I want to talk to you in the time we have remaining, the four secrets of living a fruitful life. Because I want you to know the importance. Now listen, you can use what I'm about to say in your business, in your home. You can use this elsewhere. And that's okay, there's nothing wrong with that. But I also want to tell you this. These are heavenly stories. We need to hear these from what Jesus is trying to teach us in this context, in our spiritual life. Here's the number one thing, and that is, I must, if I'm gonna live a fruitful life, if I'm gonna be productive, if I'm gonna be productive in my life for spiritual things, I must cultivate deep roots. You gotta have roots to have the fruits, all right? No fruit without the root, however you wanna say it. A couple of weeks ago, Holly was quoting Jeremiah 17. And in that chapter, Jeremiah is talking about people who trust God. And we find and read in verse 8 in chapter 17, a person who trusts God is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when the heat comes, for its leaves still remain green. And it is not anxious in the year of drought for it does not cease to bear fruit. Look at those two little metaphoric things. The heat, when the heat is on, when the heat comes, and in life, pressure comes. Pressure comes in life in many forms. And as you get older, the pressure and the stakes get higher, students. And when you plant and trust God, when you have deep roots, when that heat comes, the Bible says, if you have deep roots, when the heat is on, you will not wilt. A lot of people wilt. That's one of the things that we are talking about. When we talk about in America, we have coping issues. Because so many times the pressure of life, when bad things happen to me, we tend to wilt because we don't have deep roots. Here's the other thing. Did you notice the other metaphoric language when it says when the tree realizes when the drought comes when there's no sense of either emotional or even physical renewal that you can be a tree planted by the water that has deep roots and when the drought comes in other words when you don't have energy when you don't have things going your way you're like a tree planted by water and you will your leaves will remain green in other words when the drought comes no moisture you will be strong i heard a pastor to pastor say this past week the average pastor leaves a church 
over what five or less people say. That reminds me that, honestly, there's only one plant that I know of that doesn't have roots. I can only think of one. Maybe you've got other ones. It's a tumbleweed. Because a tumbleweed, it just blows all over. We don't have those here, but believe me, if we were in the Southwest, you would see tumbleweeds and they just tossed and thrown by the wind. And I tell, I've told Luke this several years ago. We're not trying to plant tomato plants here with our students. This isn't like we're trying to like do something and get a little flash here and maybe we'll get some tomatoes off of it by the end of the year. We're planting sequoia trees. That's what we're trying to do here. We're trying to plant giant oaks. Students who build their life by the stream that'll have deep roots. And sequoias, they may not go deep because it's interesting about these 275 foot trees. It's fascinating that their roots go long and they grow together. And in those batches of trees, in those little clusters, they grow together and they grow strong. Whatever the case, you gotta have deep roots if you're going to produce fruit in your life. Proverbs 12 verse three says this, a man cannot be established through wickedness, but the righteous cannot be uprooted. How do I grow deep roots? Psalm chapter one, the first Psalm, Psalm 1, verse 2, people who build their life on the Lord, people who produce fruit, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Here it goes again. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. Man, I love the last part of that. That's one of 7,000 promises in the Bible. Look at that promise. You want your life to be productive? Do you want to have a life that prospers and has fruit in it? In all that he does, he prospers. If you are like a tree planted by the water, if you have deep roots. Let's go to the New Testament. Colossians chapter 2 verse 6. Paul writes a letter to a church that he has never been to. And he's writing this to these people he doesn't even know, but he knows of their faith. He knows of their connection. And he says, and now, just as you've trusted Christ to save you, trust him too for each day's problems. Live in vital union with him. Let your roots grow down into him. Who is him? Yes, Jesus, let your roots grow down into Jesus and draw up nourishment from him. See that you go on growing in the Lord, becoming strong and vigorous in the Lord. In the truth you were taught. I love that line right there. Just growing deeper in the things of God that you were taught. Let your lives overflow with joy and thanksgiving for all he has done. That's the first thing. The second thing is this. I must eliminate the weeds in my life. And we talked about this a couple of weeks ago when we talked about margin. I find space for what I treasure. 
I make time for what I want. I choose my own priorities as an adult. And I want to encourage you, make room for Jesus. Make room for two in your life. Have some margin in life. I said a couple of weeks ago, make space to slow the space, to slow the pace. Look at what we just read in verse 18 in Mark 4. And others are the ones sown among thorns, and they are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires of other things enter in and choke the word and it proves unfruitful. Look at the weeds. There's three weeds right there in that passage. One one is the cares and the worries of this world. If you have so many cares and worries in this world that it's choking out the kingdom of God, your relationship with God for you to grow deeper weeds, that can choke and give you the inability to not have fruit. Another thing is greed's a weed. Riches of this world, wanting money, desiring and, and, and wanting and having this impulsive, this what we talked about, you know, there's a difference between love and lust. So many times we just, we, we covet, we want, we want more and more and we're driven. We call that driven. And in America, we think that's a great thing. And I do think there is such a thing as being ambitious and, and being responsible. But there are many, many people who are living these busy lives with all the cares and the worries and they're driven and they're living very barren lives. And then the third thing is pleasure, the things that I just like to do. Weeds in all cases, and it doesn't matter whether it's a yard you drive by or whether it's a field you drive by, when you see weeds, it's always a sign of neglect. And it's the same is true in our everyday life. Weeds are a sign of neglect in my life. How much effort does it take to grow weeds? Well, in my lifetime as an adult, the keeper of yards now, it is easy. Man, I am good at growing weeds. In fact, I've got, I, I think I have a gift. Dandelions are gonna start coming and they are going to take over I mean, you don't even have to do anything. There's no fertilizer for this. It just happens. Weeds grow like crazy. You don't have to do anything to grow weeds. It'll just happen. You don't have to plant them. You don't have to do anything. But I want to encourage you today to have more meaningful things like vegetables or flowers that you like, or if you want good grass, or if you want things that are meaningful, it takes a lot more effort to do that. And if you want that, you're probably gonna have to get rid of some weeds if you do that. For you to have fruit, you've gotta get rid of the weeds. Now listen to me, I wanna say this as strongly as I can. There are some of you here, as I talk to you about growing deep roots and spending time with the Lord, and in the word, and then as Brad has encouraged us to practice what we read, to put into practice the stories we read, to actually do what we read, and to, for us to walk with the Lord, and then for me to get rid of those things. So many of us, when I say this, look, man, Johnny Mac, I am too busy 
to do that. I mean, my schedule is top to bottom. I have no time for that. Some of you, I encourage you to serve the Lord. Do you have an identifiable ministry? Is there a place where you're serving? Is anybody gonna go to heaven because you served? And some of you are here and you're saying, I'm too busy for that. You have no idea. This is just the way my life is. I just, I don't have any time. Listen to me right now because God wants to speak to you right now. First of all, stop. Stop. God wants to speak to you and if you're too busy to serve him and walk with him, you are too busy. Stop it. You need to get rid of the things that are not as important as having a relationship with God and serving him with your life. I don't want you here to be like a tumbleweed, blowing with everything that life has you. You gotta get rid of the weeds. Here's the third thing. Here's a secret for you to be a fruitful person. I must cooperate with God's pruning in my life. I've had many things happen in my life that I have thought at the time were absolutely the worst thing. Like, this is bad. This is, and I will say, this is from the devil. This is the devil's having a heyday. I've had bad things happen to me. And then my response has been, oh no, this is a curveball for God. We'll have to work this out. And the truth is, so many times in my life, it's a pruning that's taking place. I want to, you to remind you of this. Pruning, as I've learned, is not just cutting back dead stuff. Sometimes to be a really good pruner, you not only have to cut back dead stuff, but you have to even cut back branches that are actually good. You have to cut back some good stuff. I've learned this. Uh, a couple of years ago, we had, we, from time to time, I try, Sherry really likes roses. And uh, from time to time, her grandpa, who she loved the most, her grandpa, uh, Johnny Whiteman was her name. I think that's why she picked me. It was my name is Johnny. His name was Johnny Whiteman. And he had, he had roses in the Rose Club in Indianapolis. Was there one of those? Yeah. And he won competitions and everything. and all this. So every once in a while, I'm like, yes, let's do this. I can compete too. Well, we had a white rose out front a few years back. And the first year it did okay. The second year I was real excited. So we started doing everything to it. And all at once, it's everything is it's coming on and it's a full bush, but there's no roses. So then the next year comes. I'm like, well, it was just a bad year. So the next thing happens and I finally, there was no clippers when I fixed this. I just took a shovel and I got rid of it. All right? But most times in the pruning in your life, most of the bushes we've had, just the regular pruning will do well. I just wanna encourage you today. So many times, some of you know what I'm talking about today. When I talk about you lost a job a few years back and at the time it was the worst thing that ever happened. But then over a couple, two, three or four years, you realize now that you're producing more fruit in your life 
to the glory of God because of what the time you thought was awful and now you're seeing God produce fruit in your life that wouldn't have been possible if you'd have stayed there. I, I have a pastor, his name is Bob Yaberg, and one time I was sick. I remember I was in the basement and I was sick and I had a fever and he called me and I had my phone and I'm laying there and uh, a lot of times we had been talking kind of frequently and I had a fever, I'm just laying there and uh, he says, well, Johnny, uh, I guess the Lord has slowed you down. I said, well, I've got the flu. I, I, you know, I don't really know. He said, you know, Johnny, when you're laying on your back, you can look up to God. Now, Bob has permission to say that to me, but it is true that there are times in our life where, where bad, listen, bad things happen to everybody. We live in a fallen world where bad things happen. We'll, listen, the difference between a believer and a non-believer is, is that you will have those things that are bad. Students, you're gonna have some bad things happen to you in your life. Will you grow bitter or better? Will you allow God to shape you and mold you in some stuff? Will you go the way of the world? Broad is the path that leads to destruction, narrow is the gate that leads to eternal life. Will you allow God to shape you and prune you? Because see, God knows best. And for us, when bad things happen, we have a hard time saying that out loud with our mouth. But God counts faith as righteousness. And so if we will allow God and cooperate with the pruning in our life, we will be more fruitful. John chapter 15, verses one and two. Jesus says, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. I love the, the living Bible translation. It says right there in verse two, he lops off every branch that doesn't produce. That sounds like the West Virginia version to me. Don't confuse punishment with pruning. Why does he prune us? Look at Hebrews chapter 12, verse 11. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. You see, God sees the potential and God uses three things to prune us. Listen to me, three things. He uses problems, he uses pressure, and he uses people. When problems come our way, which they will, will you allow God to prune you? He uses problems in our life. He uses pressure in our life. That's one of the reasons there's these things called tests and even the pressure of many trainings including basketball or football. That's why coaches create pressure to create more and more discipline. Pressure is used. God uses pressure in our lives. And then as well, he uses people. When my wife looks at me and says, a fool when he keeps his mouth shut is esteemed wise. She's saying, zip the lip. You need to get pruned right now a little bit. And there's, it's okay for me. It's like, oh yeah, 
said the wrong thing to one of my kids. You know, we need that. For us to bear fruit, it's going to help us grow. Here's the last thing. If I'm going to produce fruit, I must patiently wait and expect a harvest. Most of the time, I am in a hurry and God is not. Growth takes time. Growing fruit takes time. I'm not that smart about farming, but I know there is no farmer in this county that puts out a seed and in two days comes out and goes, what? There's no fruit? What's going on? Who puts a three-inch tomato plant in the ground four days later comes out and goes, what's going on? I mean, I bought it. Kicks it. Why? Because it takes time. Fruit takes time in our life. Listen to John chapter 12, verse 24. Jesus is speaking and he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it, and whoever hates his life in in this world will keep it for eternal life. Seeds. Seeds always, you've been given many seeds in your life. You've got to plant them. You've got to start planting some seeds in your life. The seeds God's given you, plant them. But it's going to take time. It's going to take time for those seeds. Don't walk away and say, well, I prayed for them. And I asked them to come to church and and walk away. Fruit takes time. And here's the thing. You know what happens? There's usually some dying that has to take place while I'm waiting. There is. While I'm waiting for some fruit, there's usually some dying in me that has to happen. And there's some stuff that needs to be cleaned up in me. John 15, five, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If you want a productive life, you gotta, gotta have some deeper roots. You've gotta have, you gotta get rid of weeds in your life. You've gotta agree with the pruning in your life and you gotta be patient for the seed. Now, there are some of you here today that might be 70 years old and you're like, Johnny Mac, I'm too old. Maybe it is that I haven't done and produced the fruit. And let me just remind you of what I heard a pastor say this past week. If you're not dead, God's not done. And I wanna encourage you, you can be fruitful. Grow deeper roots. You gotta grow deeper you got to get rid of the weeds. you got to agree with the pruning of the ups and downs in your life. Wait patiently. Now listen, I've said a lot of things here today. I've, I've said a lot of things that I hope that you'll think about. I'd like for us to pray, and I'm going to ask Holly and the team to come right now. And while we're praying about this, since I've given you so much to think about, maybe it is an area of your life. I want you to spend some time here, just a minute. And I want you to pray about this. 
What is it in your life that you need to do to adjust yourself to be more fruitful? What is that? If you need to pray with somebody, I'd invite you to come over here. On this side over here, if you need some prayer, if there's some things that we've talked about or something in your life you need prayer for, if there's an area you need to repent, you want to pray with somebody over here, we'd invite you to come over here on this side. If you need to get along with God, come over on this side. Won't you stand right now? We're going to pray. Father, I thank you for your word. Lord, help us to be a people who receive your word today. And we receive it like good soil right now.